מסכת בבא קמא, דף קז, ואמר רבי חייא בר אבא, אמר רבי יוחנן. This is the third halacha that we have in the name of רבי יוחנן in this context. הטוען טענת גנה בפיקדון, אינו חייב עד שיכפור במקסת ויודע במקסת. A שומר, who uh, claims that the item that he was watching, let's say it was um, two oxen, right? It says the owner comes and says, I gave you two oxen to watch. Where are they? And the owner claims that it was stolen. Um, what, he is not liable to swear and to pay double for swearing falsely unless he admits to some and denies some. So in that case where he says, I gave you two cows, where are they? He said, oh, one cow I have here, but, that, but the other one was stolen. And he lies about it. So he's admitting to partial, uh, partially that he, yes, he um, has to give back something, but denying that he has to give back the other cow. Um, that's, that's the only case. But if he denies the entire thing altogether and says, what cows? I don't know what cows you're talking about. Or both were stolen. And so if he's deny, denying the entirety, then um, Rabbi Yochanan says he is not liable to pay double. It's likely that what he means, even though he's not saying explicitly, is that he doesn't even have to swear in the first place. Since he doesn't have to swear in the first place, certainly he will not have to pay double for swearing falsely. Now, what is the source? This pasuk we've already seen a number of times uh, regarding a Shomer, and if he says uh, on any uh, item uh, that he says Shed Yomar Ki he has to swear. Now the literal interpretation, the simple Peshat is that um, some, where someone says Ki this is it, the animal's there, see you have it all along, meaning he get he got found. But uh, the Gemara here is interpreting as Ki some part of it, uh, um, uh, that uh, that oh, this part I owe, this part I don't owe, then he has to swear. So that's the interpretation of Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, that's Rabbi Yochanan's halacha. You only make, um, have, are liable to give a shivu'ah and then would pay double if you lie falsely, if the shomer admits part and denies part. Rabbi Yochanan is in disagreement with Rabbi Chiyabar Yosef, who said that this phrase, Ki although it's written in the context of a Shomer, actually does not apply to the current context, but of all, instead, Oh, it seems it seems he says only applies. It could also be interpreted as also applies, but let's go with the only applies um, to a loan. Only in the case of a loan where um, one says, "Hey, you owe me a hundred dollars." The other one, uh, the the uh, defendant, uh, if he defendant says. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know you anything at all. Then he doesn't have to give a swear. And then the, the, the plaintiff has to prove his point, right? Go prove and then I'll pay you. So if he denies it altogether, that's it. He doesn't have to do anything. But if the defendant says, oh, you said I owe you 100. Now I owe you 50, right? I admit to the 50, but I deny the other 50. In that case, he has to make a vow. That's a classic case of modeh b'miksat. So Rabbi Chia Abad Yosef says that only applies to a loan. Uh, now, this is an interesting uh, um, uh, exegetical uh, lens that there's a, a merging of, of, of portions or a mixing up. Even though the word says the word kihuzeh in this context, 
It just doesn't apply to this context. It's actually mixed up, and the word kiuzeh applies to the case of milveh. Um, this is applied when there's a certain phrase that doesn't fit with the current context, so it must be that it's said here, but it's really a reference to something else. Now, umay shana milveh. Why would there be, conceptually, why would there be a difference between a loan and a deposit? It has to do with human psychology. Um, so how come the Torah says that um, if you admit to part of an uh, to, to to part of a, a claim in a loan, then you do have to swear because we have a presumption that most people are not so brazen and insolent to lie straight out, 100% lie, in front of the creditor. The creditor did you a favor and lent you $100. And now you're going to come and say, $100, you never gave me anything. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, there are, you know, professional liars that would do that, you know, real real con men. Um, but most people are not like that. And so if it's, if it's true that they don't owe $100, they don't owe anything, then, of course, a person will say it because it's the truth. Uh, so, you know, I don't owe you anything, fine. But if a person really does owe um, all $100, um, then, and they are, they're trying to get out of it, or trying to buy time, then they're not going to be so brazen to deny the whole thing. And so, this person, really, he wants to deny the whole thing because, well, he doesn't want to pay. Who wants to pay anything? Um, but the fact that he doesn't say, I owe you zero, is because he's not so insolent, but he is brazen enough to say, what, a hundred? Was it really a hundred? No, no, it was fifty. Right, that much people are um, people are that brazen to uh, to reduce it, although they're not going to lie completely. Uh, this is human nature. We uh, bend the truth, uh, exaggerate, under exaggerate, but we don't lie totally usually. And really, this guy, the defendant, he wanted to admit everything. I mean, he wants to pay. Most people, if you have the money, you know, you want to pay. And the fact, well, so why did he uh, deny part of it? He says, listen, if I admit that I owe him everything, then he's going to make a claim and make me pay right now. And I don't have the money right now. And so I'm going to evade him by some time. So I'm going to say, ah, was it 100? No, I think it was 50. I don't owe you that. Just delay tactics. And so that maybe I'll get, I'll get a few more days until he can collect the money in order to pay back. That's usually why, uh, that's just human psychology. That's why, that's why the Torah says, listen, if you deny 100%, then, okay, we believe you, right? You, you, the, this guy makes a claim. He has no proof. Um, they say he says, you owe me $100. He has no proof. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. I never saw you before in my life. You never lent me. Or I, uh, right, I, I paid you back already. I don't owe you anything. Then we believe a person because they wouldn't lie outright and be so brazen if it wasn't true. But we do suspect that most people commonly would uh, bend the truth and exaggerate and say, oh, you know, yeah, I do. I know I owe you. Yeah, you know, he's going to recognize that at least. But he's going to say, no, it was 50. I paid you. I paid you some of it. 
and he's going to do that to buy time. And therefore, to catch him in his lie, we make him swear to it. So then the threat of a swear, um, hopefully he will admit and say, okay, I know you're right. I do owe you the whole thing. Uh, you know, I just don't have the money right now. All right, then we get the truth and then we can work it out. But that psychology is only true regarding a loan, where you lend me a hundred dollars, you did me a favor, I'm not going to be so uh, brazen to lie about the entire thing. But if, when it comes to a deposit, there you asked me to watch a, watch something for you. You're going away, can you watch my uh, fish tank? Okay, so um, in that case, uh, I, I, I would be brazen. I say, what fish? I don't know what you're talking about. You never gave me anything. I gave it or I gave it back to you already. So since it's not a loan where you're doing me a favor, but rather I'm watching something for you, then a person would be so brazen because if it, well, you know, something happened to it, then he may very well just say, I don't know, what I, I never got a cow from you. I never got any fish from you. I gave it back to you. Um, and so the psychology doesn't work. And that is why uh, Rebi Chia uh, makes a distinction between them. Um, uh, Rebi Chia Bar Yosef makes a distinction between them. But Rebi Yochanan says, no, I don't make a distinction. And for a pikadon, also, um, one is liable to make a vow only if he admits to part and denies part. Taned Ami Barhama. Ami Barhama presents a baraita um, that um, also is going to disagree with Rabbi Chaya uh, Bar Bar Yosef. Right? Is not Rabbi Bar Yosef said it applies to a loan only and not to a pikadon. So the following baraita is going to disagree with Rabbi Chaya Bar Yosef and agree with Rabbi Chaya Bar Abba in the name of. Rabbi Yochanan, that modem Vixat rule, applies also to a Shomer. The following four types of Baileys, um, uh, in order to, for them to be, uh, to have to uh, swear, uh, it's only if they admit to part and uh, deny part of the claim. It's all the types of Baileys. What's the source? Well, the original pasuk in its context, right? We're not taking it out of context, is in the context of a shomer chinam. So certainly a shomer chinam, only if he if he um, uh, accepts, uh, denies part of it, then he has to make a shavuah. Shomer sachar, we can make a gezerah shava. It says the word netina in both of them. Shoel v'chi yishal vav mosif alinan rishon. Where Shoel it says a vav uh, and comes right after it. And so the and comes to connect the shomer with uh, Shoel, and therefore the laws of shomer apply to Shoel as well. So ched ileman damar keshomer sachar haynu shomer sachar ileman damar keshomer chinam haynu shomer chinam. The laws of a socher, a renter who pays to use an item. There is a machloket about whether the laws of a, of a socher are the same as Shomer Sachar. If so, well, we already proved Shomer Sachar. Or other, others say that a socher has the same laws as Shomer Chinam. Well, we already also have a source for Shomer Chinam. So either way, the socher is going to have this law that he uh, has, to, has to make a swear and pay double if he's lying, only if he admitted to part of the claim. Another halacha in this regard. A shomer 
who claims uh, that the item was stolen, right? I don't have your item anymore. Um, and really he stole it himself. So then he swears, and if he's found to be lying falsely, he has to pay double. That halacha is only true if the shomer first misappropriated the item. Either he ate it or used it. If it was an animal, he worked it, right? He used it for himself. Um, illegally. So only if he first uses it for himself, that's um, an act of uh, appropriating it uh, illegally, and then he makes a claim and it was, that it was stolen and he lies, then um, and is found to be lying, then he pays double. But if he was watching it properly, and uh, and sent and then said it was stolen and swear swore falsely, but he never used it for himself. He would not have to pay double. Because the pasuk says that when the balabait here refers to the shomer comes and makes a vow. Um, that he did not send forth his hand in the uh, in his neighbor's uh, goods. Uh, so his, part of his vow is that he did not misappropriate it. That means if he if he, so if it's true that he didn't misappropriate it, then he would not be liable. But if he did misappropriate it, then he would be liable. So we see that this whole halacha of paying double only applies when he used it for himself. So, although we see this in the name of Rabbi Chiyabad Yosef, um, Rabbi Chiyabad Abba, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, says Rabbi Yochanan disagrees with that. Because Rabbi Yochanan says that one has to pay double even if the animal is standing by, uh, by its feeding trough and it's doing, he's, he's watching it normally. He didn't use it for himself. He's sitting there. He's taking care of the animal. He's feeding it. Nevertheless, if he claims it was stolen, but really he had it the whole time and he swears, he still has to pay double. So now the follow-up question is, is Biochanan, how much is Biochanan arguing with the first uh, opinion? Is he saying that one has to pay double only if it's uh, on its feeding trough and acting and being treated normally. But if the uh, if the shomer misappropriated it, then by misappropriating it, he acquires it, is declared now to be a robber, and therefore he does not have to give a swear. And the swear does not add, does not take away, but he would not have to pay double because of such a swear. So in other words, this law of paying double because you swore falsely, um, claiming that it was stolen, but really you stole it, is only where he was watching it properly and did not misuse it. Is that what Biochanan thinks? Or does he say both in both cases, even if he didn't do anything, he would um, uh, uh, he has to pay double. And also, he agrees with, uh, actually agrees with Rabbi Chiyabar Yosef that also, if he misappropriated it, he has to pay double. In both cases, he has to pay double. Is that what Rabbi Yochanan uh, says? So, Rabbi Chiyabar Yosef says, I don't know, I didn't hear an exact answer to your question. But, I do have a tradition about a similar case that I can use to answer your question. In the name of Rabbi Yochanan, 
וחזר וטען טענת גנב ונשבע. ובאו עדים פטור, מה טעמה עליו משום דקנה בשבועה ראשונה? אף איש שומר. At first he says, it was lost, and he swears falsely. But then he says, oh, actually, it wasn't lost, it was stolen, and he swears falsely. And then witnesses come and say, actually, he has it, and he was, he was uh, keeping it for himself the whole time. He does not have to pay double. Why not? Is it not because when he made the first false vow that it was lost, it's already he, he acquires it and he becomes a robber. And therefore, when he, after he retracts that and makes a second vow, the second vow is, does not, is meaningless because he, um, he is now in the, in the category of a robber, not a shomer. And so um, one pays double only after lying um, and saying it was, it was stolen, not after saying that it was lost. So after the first vow, he would not have to pay double. Uh, but now by this time, he's called a robber. And therefore, and, uh, when he, for the second vow, he no longer doesn't, it will not require him to pay double. And if so, if that's the reason, then we can apply it also to this case where he misappropriated it first. Then that's called that he's kone, he's a robber, um, just like when he says tanat uh, avad first, and then afterwards when he makes a vow and that it was stolen, well that he's already a robber, and this vow he doesn't have to make such a vow, and such a vow will not add anything, and he will not be required to pay double because of that vow that it was stolen. So it seems that we can uh, derive it from there, right? Mebezerah says, no, that case is different because in the, when he makes a Shavuah first that it was lost, um, then he already fulfills his obligations, no more obligation towards the, uh, the original owner, right? He fulfilled his obligation towards them. He no longer has, to, has any obligation to the owner. That's it. He made the vow, case closed. Um, and so that's why when he makes the next vow that it was stolen, he it does not have to pay double. That's different from when he misappropriates it. That does not close the case. There's, um, he's still, uh, he just misappropriated it. They didn't go to court yet. He didn't um, uh, appease the owner yet. And so um, the cases are not necessarily the same. And we have yet another version of Rabbi Yochanan's statement that includes Rabbi Serah's explanation here. So here it says explicitly the reason. Yochanan says if someone claims um, the Shomer, claims that it was stolen, and uh, he makes a vow. And then he says, no, I changed my mind. I claim that the deposit was, uh, first he claims it was lost and he swears. And then he says, I changed my mind. Actually, it was stolen and he swears. And then witnesses come and say he had it the whole time. Since he already fulfilled his obligation towards the owner with the first vow, the second vow does not count and he does not have to pay double. So we see it specifically in this case that he does not have to pay double, but in a case where he misappropriated it, could be that Rabbi Yochanan would think, would say that he has to pay double. So we know for sure Rabbi Yochanan would say if he never misappropriated it, then yes, he has to pay double if it's just uh, eating nicely um, and it's being taken care of. He still has to, he has to pay double. And regarding the case where he did misappropriate it, uh, we don't have a clear proof of what Rabbi Yochanan said.
אמר רב ששת, הטוען טענת גנב בפיקדון, כיוון ששלח בו יד פטור. רב ששת says the exact opposite of רבי חייא בר יוסף. רבי חייא בר יוסף said that in order to be liable, he has to first misappropriate it, and then swear falsely, and then he has to pay double. Rav Sheshat says that if a Shomer claims that it was stolen, and he misappropriated he had misappropriated it, he does not have to pay. So it's the exact opposite. He quotes the very same pasuk that Bichia Bar Yosef also used, but he interprets it differently. And so he says um, that the Shomer will come to the judge and he will make a vow that he did not misappropriate it. Um, so only in that case, if, then, you know, dot, 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 and he, in fact, did not misappropriate it, and then witnesses come and say that he has it, then he has to pay double. But if he actually had misappropriated it before, then he is not liable. A challenge to Rav Sheshat um, uh, by Rav Nachman. But aren't there three vows that we make this Shomer uh, um, uh, vow to? He has to say three things. He has to vow that he was not negligent in safeguarding it. Right? A Shomer, if he just leaves the door open and the and the cow leaves um, and gets uh, and gets lost or stolen, so then a shomer is liable. So he has to say, "I was I was uh, careful. I was not negligent." He also has to say, "Oh, I did not misappropriate it. I didn't use it for myself." Thirdly, he has to say, "I don't have it." Right? Because he has to. We have to make sure that he's not claiming that it was stolen, and but really he has it um, and he's hiding it the whole time. So those are the three. So it looks sounds like there's a comparison between the three. My love, shivua shelo shalachti bayad, dumia deshivua shena bishuti, ma shivua shena bishuti ki megalia de de milta de ita bishute chayav af shivua shelo shalachti bayad ki megalia milta de shalach bayad chayav. So shouldn't we make a comparison between the second and third vows? Just like in the in the second vow. Right, the second vow should be the same as the third vow. Just like in the third vow where he says, I swear I, I don't have it in my possession. If we find out that in fact he did have it in, in his possession, then he has to pay double. So too, he makes a vow, I didn't use it for myself. So if we find out he did use it for himself, also he would have to pay double. That's a challenge to Rav Sheshat. Rav Sheshat answers, No, I'm going to compare the first two Shavuot together. The one that I did not, the second one, that I did not use it, is similar to the first vow that I was not negligent. Just like if he says, I was not negligent, and it turns out that it, well, he was negligent. He left the door wide open. Then he does not have to pay double. That's the law. You, only, you, don't, you don't pay double in that, in that case. He was just negligent. He was a bad shomer. So... Uh, there's no uh, double payment in that case. So too, um, if he when he swears, I didn't uh, use it for myself, and it turns out he did use it for himself, 
Also, he will not have to pay double. So just because you have three Shavuot, and it's true for the third one, if it turns out that he's wrong, he does pay double, but for the first one, not. And so this one's in the middle. I can compare, instead of comparing it to the third one, I can compare it to the first one, and therefore there is no, uh, no challenge from this source to Rav Sheshat. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.